everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your favorite baseball history podcast. Uh, it just, better be. I'm changing it up a little bit there because I can't say <laughs> I can't so much say weekly uh, lately. Right. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're trying to get back on track, but I already know that uh, there's not going to be a show next week because I am out of town working. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Mark says he can't hear this, but uh, there is it's like the Olympics of uh, yard work going on on our street this week. Uh, today, as a matter of fact, appears to be the opening ceremonies. So uh, I don't know if you yeah. can, you can hear everybody can hear the, uh, the the leaf blower, which is the principal tool of all yard work these days. Um, yes. But if so, I apologize. This is, this is what we get for not renting a proper studio. It's just, it's just adding some ambiance, you know. It's yeah. like being at a friend's house. It's It makes it down home is yeah. what I think it does. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get into this week's show. I got a lot of stuff here to talk about BP that is uh, that I'm excited to talk about because baseball is fun and that's what we're here for. So first of all, Mark, uh, let's see. I was reading an article. And I thought this sounded awfully familiar. The article, all it said in the headline is, is your hobby an obsession? And uh, these are the signs that your hobby is an obsession. And I'm a little bit worried. First of all, it's the first thing you do or think about in the morning. Check, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we get up, we do do the immaculate grid right away, right? Absolutely. Number two, you start to wear clothes relating to your hobby. Yeah, that one's uh, that's a gimme. Yeah, I have uh, my whole wardrobe consists of either uh, baseball or Star Wars T-shirts. Yes, that sounds familiar. Here, yeah, yeah. Uh, next, you dream about your hobby. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have a lot of dreams about baseball, so yes. Uh, you move your social events to make time. Now, see, I'm going to have to change this. I cancel social events to make time. It's like, no, I can't. See, that's even more obsessive. This, this, uh, well, I mean, my wife will tell you. I'm like, oh, no, well, we can go out on Saturday, but I want to be home by four uh, because the A's game in July against the, the Royals is on today. I, I have that issue myself. Yeah. Um, now, this one, uh, I can't. I don't know about this one. You stop brushing your teeth. Oh, man. Bummer. I don't I know. Mean, no, not me. No, no. Wait, you're brushing your teeth? Uh, it's a new habit I started. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do brush my teeth still. So I maybe I'm okay. The final one is uh, you use your hobby as an escape. Which I thought that's what hobbies what were. Yeah, so I don't know. So of that, they've listed five here. And I am firmly in four of the camps. So, I think I know a sixth one. What was the sixth one? You start a podcast on the history of Oh, hobby. yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you listen to two idiots talk about uh, something right, on that a podcast. Right, that could be it too. So, yeah, we want to we include everybody. But, yeah, I think I think baseball is an obsession with me. I make time to, to play uh, the show a lot. I'm still playing the show a lot, which is, this is the longest into a season I've ever played the show this much. Um, nice. But I'm still playing. I'm still, like, itching to play every day. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm obsessed with baseball. Maybe we need to start the show with, hi, my name is Jeff, and I'm obsessed with baseball. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm I'm right alongside with you. So at least we got a buddy to go with us into the world of insanity. Yeah, yeah, I think we're there. All yeah. right. Uh, this is something that is very interesting, I thought. 
I hope everybody else does too. I found some audio of uh, Honus Wagner being interviewed. This is uh, later on. He's he's retired uh, from playing, but he's still coaching. There was no exact date given, but this is um, this is sometime in the 1940s. So just think of that and listen to uh, listen to what he says about. Uh, players playing the game in the 1940s, and uh, we'll talk about it here when when he's done. Well, it's quite a difference now than the players today, I think. In the minor leagues, one thing is if you don't get what they used to get in the minor leagues. All the minor league managers now want players who hit home runs, and the fans want a home run hitter. So they decided, the managers in the minor league decided that they'd keep up young fellows who can hit a long ball. In the old days, they had speed, and they'd bonded a whole lot, and they sacrificed a whole lot. And being a dead ball, of course, uh, the outfielder didn't place a deep. And they could throw you out the plate, and they got a good start. And base running, of course, is a lost start. Very few good base runners now, they, on account of that long hit ball, and the manager figures, well, we won't send them down here. We got two long ball hitters back of them coming up and so forth. Okay, boomer. <laughs> My God. Now, to be fair, Honus played during the dead ball era. So right. hitting home runs was not really a thing while he was playing. But still, are these not the exact same sentiments that uh, John Smoltz says every time he's doing a game? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the exact same ones, right? Honus Smoltz. <laughs> Complaining about the way the game was uh, versus when they played. You know, Smoltz complains like it's it's not like when he played back in the 80s and 90s. Well, here's Honus Wagner, uh, one of the greatest ever to play, complaining in the 40s that they didn't play like he you know, did in the 80s and 90s, the uh, 1880s and 90s <laughs> and, and early 1900s. I mean, uh, this is this is what drives me crazy about people complaining about baseball not being like it used to be, is that it has always been this way. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, look, it, the game is going to change and it always has. You know, the major things we've discussed this, the major things stay the same, but uh, everything else, you know, it's a lot different game right now. We talk about it a lot different game right now than it was 100 years ago. Yeah. And there's parts of it that's cyclical. Yeah. I mean that uh, here he's complaining about the 1940s. They don't steal as many bases. Well, (laughs) you know, then they stole a lot of bases in the 80s and beginning (laughs) of the 90s. And then nobody stole. And now they're starting to steal again. I mean, it's. I just I I immediately turn off when somebody starts complaining about things not being like they were back in the day. But I'm going to I'm going to hold on to this clip so that I can just kind of send it to people when they say, oh, it's not the same as when I grew up. There you go. Send it to John Smalls while you're at it. I'm yeah. sure he listens. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Well, I, I don't need to. He just listened to it because he's... Oh, that's a good point. Eagerly Sorry, listening. John. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is uh, news from my part of the uh, the world. Uh, Trevor May retired finally. Well, not finally. I mean, he played 10 years in the big leagues, but he retired. I think everybody knew he was going to retire after this year. He grew up being an A's fan. There's pictures of him in his youth at the Coliseum rooting for the A's. And just being an A's fan, and he signed this last year with Oakland. Uh, he had some I can really relate. I re- I really like Trevor May. First of all, he's a gamer. He's got 
some anxiety issues. Uh, he's just, he's a fun guy, but he signed, he wanted to play his final year with his childhood team, which that's who awesome. wants to sign with the A's, right? right? That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he officially announced his retirement. He live streams while he games a lot of the time uh, on, on Twitch. And uh, this is, yeah, you know, he made his announcement yesterday while he was streaming. And then he had this to say, which I just love Trevor May even more now. To, to the A's organization and every single person part of it, I love all of you. Every single one of you, except for one guy. We all know who that guy is. Sell the team, dude. Sell it, man. <laughs> Let someone who actually, like, takes pride in the things they own, own something. There's actually people who give a shit about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, dork wouldn't have been the the thing that I would have gone with, but I love me some Trevor May. That's, That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, he had a, you know, he ended up being the closer for the A's and believe it or not, especially down the stretch, had some big clutch saves. I mean, A's didn't win a lot, obviously, but down the stretch, they played a lot of teams that were trying to get in the playoffs and they played some good games and spoiled some uh, spoiled some teams, uh, you know, runs and Especially the Astros. They had a great series against the Astros. Yeah, totally messed with the Astros. <laughs> so did the Royals. I don't know what was up with that, yes. but he had some really clutch saves. He went on during the stream to talk about the uh, reverse boycott game. He got the a big, you know, save there. And it was just uh I, I Trevor May's my guy. I'm a I'm a big fan. Fantastic. Uh, let's see, Steve Garvey. We've talked about him before. We've done a whole gosh darn episode on him. Uh, he's a great actor beyond a baseball player. Uh, has no problem uh, catching throwing stars in a first baseman's glove on a action show from the eighties. Uh, also has no problem uh, fathering children. Uh, very no, he's virile. Yes, he's very virile. But uh, now Steve Garvey is running for office. He's running to uh, become a member of the U.S. Senate from my home state of California. Uh, I mean, did he not see Herschel Walker and what happened to him? I guess not. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm in Steve's district. But uh, Steve, I just got to tell you, you don't have my vote if I am. Uh, It's not going to happen. I think he's. Probably, you know, he's in Southern California, but uh, come on the show, though. I'm, I'm not going to vote for you, but you're more than welcome to come on the show. Is Yeah, Steve, we want to ask you. Uh, your kids can come on, too. We just have to make it a longer show. Yeah, so, the, so that's the thing. <laughs> so uh, I got sent this from uh, our friends over at the 1988 Tops podcast. This was a, a tweet from the Effectively Wild podcast, which is a great baseball podcast. They delve into history every now and then, but I mean, these guys are, are smart in the first place, but they make us look even dumber than we are. But uh, they tweeted this, uh, Steve Garvey announces he's running for U.S. Senate from California. If he can get his various kids to vote for him, he's got a shot. It's <laughs> great. So true. Yeah, I think- Oh, if it's he, a Senate. Dude, he is in your district because that's a statewide race. I don't think so. I think uh, I, I I think um, it's if it's Congress, then probably not like House of Representatives. 
My senators yeah. are statewide. Oh, well, then I'm not going to vote for him. There you go. Now you, have, now you officially don't vote for him. I don't know. Is he is he trying to, is he running for Feinstein's seat or, or what? But regardless. I would assume so. There's a lot of people that are running for that seat. It's a big state. Yeah, but he's a Republican, so he has no Well, chance. he's got no shot. Yeah, so I mean, he really <laughs> doesn't. Maybe if Paul Molitor's kids uh, live here and hey. uh, they vote for him too, then maybe. Molitor could. could run for lieutenant governor. <laughs> uh let's see have you seen so you're watching the playoffs just like i am and just like everybody listening to this podcast is there's a Derek jeter commercial for the jeep wagoneer have you seen this oh yeah 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 it's so sweet and this lovely. poor guy <laughs> his swimsuit model wife is at home with the kids and his private jet can't take off to get him back to his palatial estate yeah I mean, real world problems here. Certainly relatable to you and I, Mark, here at Two Strike Noise. So he drives this luxury SUV home. What a relief that he gets there. I mean, think if he had to like drive a Mercedes or something, so he, like really <laughs> slum it. I looked up the base model of this uh, this Jeep Wagoneer. Starts yeah. at ninety one thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh, that's like an inning and a half for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, Jeep. Let's. 91. 90, yeah, but who, who in the heck is like, oh, this is, this is, this is great. He's getting home to his family because his darn <laughs> private jet was grounded. <laughs> oh, come on. I know uh, my heart went out to him. Yeah. I gotta say. And plus, you know, what made it really unrealistic is he drove. You think he's not hiring a driver? Good point. That's not his car, obviously, if he's at an airport trying to get home. And I think he stole this car. I think he Ubered and just stole this car. He like got Uber X or Uber Black, whatever, you know, we get the nicer car. They drove him to the airport. And uh, then I think he commandeered it because that wouldn't have been his car, right? Right. Well, and then, you know, if the guy's a Yankees fan, he's like, oh, my gosh, Derek Jeter just take totally my stole car. my car. Yeah, take <laughs> my car, the biracial angel. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's the dumbest commercial. I hate, I hate you, Jeep. It is, it, it, it's played on like, so it's supposed to be so sweet and adorable. I know, right? Oh, my God. Poor, poor people. Uh, the Rolling Stones. Mark, do you like the Rolling Stones? Um. I can't say I'm a huge fan, but I do like a lot of Rolling Stones songs, yeah. I love the freaking Rolling Stones. They are one of my all-time favorite bands. I also, I think I've mentioned this before, it's it's something I found, somebody said one time that really resonated with me about baseball in the Bay Area, that San Francisco Giants and their fans, they're the Beatles, but the Oakland A's and their fans are the Rolling Stones. Because, you know, <laughs> they're both from, they're both uh, from the same place. Uh, around the same time but you know completely different yeah and i like the beatles i went through my beatles phase but i still love the rolling stones i i've seen them driven uh, across uh, the state of washington in a snowstorm all by myself to go see them in the kingdom one time i mean i i really do like the rolling stones they released a new album their first new album in like 15 years or something obviously uh, not the full band uh, they've lost i think not Bill Wyman, it was the drummer, and I forget who his name is. Charlie, uh, everybody knows and is shouting his name, and I apologize. Just I know him as Charlie, <laughs> Chuck. Uh, but uh, they are releasing vinyl copies 
uh, for all you hipsters out there. And there are 30 different album covers, all inspired by Major League Baseball teams. Wow. I don't know how inspired I would say they are since they are all essentially the exact same thing, just with the team colors and the the tricode or the, you know, the three letter abbreviation for each city uh, changing. But it still looks pretty cool. I mean, the A's one for sure. I am fully on board with and I can totally see myself buying it to frame it because it looks really cool. Um, That's awesome. Maybe get some autographs on it. Like, you know, the stones would be cool, but I'm thinking probably more likely get some A's autographs. On right. <laughs> You're a little tougher to get the, uh, to get Mick. Yeah. A little bit, a uh, little bit harder to do that. So you yeah. gotta love a band where the front man's 137 years old too. That's just awesome. Yeah. But still, still rocking in better shape than us. Oh, yeah. and way better. I mean, look at the guy on stage. Yeah, I know. I couldn't do that. I couldn't keep up with him. Yeah. Uh, good. You know, good for him. absolutely (laughs) all right mark this show is debuting on october 18th now i originally for some reason thought it was october 17th when this was going out and there were a couple of notable um uh, debuts for that day but fear not there are still some debuts today Uh, one of which is michael young who uh played a oh he played 14 years almost all of it for the rangers Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, he's kind of a, a legend with uh, with Texas fans. Uh, some interesting things about uh, Michael Young. He had 200 hits in five consecutive seasons. That's impressive. That is very impressive because I'm going to read you the list of other players that have done that. And uh, don't go get a drink or anything because this is a very short list. Uh, first of all, we've got Ichiro Suzuki who did it for 10 straight seasons. Yeah, amazing. Uh, somebody that we mentioned last show, Wee Willie Keeler, he of the second longest hitting streak, did it for eight straight seasons. Wade Boggs did it for seven. Charlie Geringer, the mechanical man, though he was known uh, for defense, he had he did it five straight seasons. And then you've got Al Simmons and Chuck Klein, who both did it for five straight seasons as well. All of those are Hall of Famers, except for Ichiro, who is obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer when he comes up. But I don't think Michael Young, I I don't know that he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But man, that's quite a quite a uh, resume regardless. I mean, he's got he's got 2,375 career hits. So he's well short of 3,000 despite that. You, you know, good, uh, good bit of, of chunk in the middle of his uh, career that was 2000 or 200 plus hits. Um, he, he didn't make his debut until he was 24 and he only played in two games. And so, I mean, I, he kind of got a late start compared oh, to interesting. some people. And then, you know, he was done at 37. I mean, that's, that's a good career anyway, but sure. Uh, yeah, so Michael Young made his debut today. Also, uh, surprisingly enough, Nick Markakis made his debut on oh, October 18th. Wow, really? In October? Yeah, so October 18th even. So it's not like the first week of October where sometimes right. the season bleeds over into that. It is, they made their debut in uh, possibly the, you know, championship round or maybe the World Series, which is uh, yeah. very interesting. I I kind of get the feeling especially since we're not going to be around next week that this is going to be our last debut segment for this this year i think you're probably right probably but i'm not sure well we'll see a couple of other interesting things happened on october 18th i did want to mention we mentioned this just a 
pod or two ago about uh, the fake intentional walk and then throwing strike three down the middle and, and getting a strikeout. Yes. Well, this is one that we didn't mention. 1972 in the World Series with runners at second and third in a 3-2 count. The A's fake intentionally walk Johnny Bench in (laughs) game three. I mean, wow. In in the World Series, that takes some guts to, first of all, try that. But in the World Series, too, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, the, The Reds did go on to win the game. Uh, but not the World Series, of course. And then in 1977, this is a big day if you are a Yankee fan. Reggie Jackson hit three consecutive home runs, leading the Yanks to an 8-4 victory over the Dodgers and, uh, you know, going to win the World Series in six games. Yeah, that was a pretty big day for Reggie. I think he uh, I think he was on it that day. Three pitches, three home runs. All three <laughs> first pitch of the A.B., Unbelievable. It's like you're telling the pitcher is his next time up. Maybe just throw a ball. Just yeah. <laughs> why? why? Why throw to him? Come on. That's I was uh, getting back to the show. I was playing it and I hit five home runs back to back to back to back to back to back. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got to throw. Uh, he's got to just throw one in the dirt, right? He's going to hit me. One of the two. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't just keep throwing fastballs. It's, I've got to get this. It's like Tin Cup where, you know, he just kept hitting it in the water. And he's like, I know I can do this. No, you can't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Reggie Jackson. There you go. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for our BP segment. Mark, let's go ahead. And uh, I've given the ground screw the day off. We're just going to play on it like it is. It's we didn't take. Well, I guess we did take BP. So it's a little uh, little uh, maybe we'll drag the infield ourselves. How about that? But that's going to be it. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into our main topic this week. And uh, Mark, I'm going to take this week and I wanted to talk about this guy we've talked about before, but I want to talk some more Ty Cobb this week. Okay. Uh, we've talked about Ty a lot, uh, this being a baseball history podcast. I think that probably goes without saying, but I think we have, I think collectively people are starting to understand that Cobb is maybe one of the most misunderstood characters in the history of the game. Sure. He was inducted into the very first class of the Hall of Fame. He is still the all-time Major League Baseball leader in career batting average with a 366 mark. His career on-base percentage is 433 which is crazy. Uh, There's almost more black ink than gray on his baseball reference page. But because of the slander of one man, he is thought to be grumpy, uh, just mean, racist, angry, just a lot of adjectives that are not, uh, not, not nice. Because of this, though, I've actually started to collect pictures of Ty Cobb when he is smiling since that's rarely something oh, wow. that you think of. But there are actually quite a few pictures of Ty Cobb smiling. And I don't know, for some reason, it fascinates me. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, but I do want to talk about one image that I'm sure 98% of the people listening to this podcast know and have seen of Ty Cobb. And it's one of him coming in spikes high. He never sharpened his spikes, by the way. In fact, he actually lobbied Major League Baseball to stop the practice of players sharpening their spikes to prevent injuries. But regardless, the famous picture is of Cobb coming in hot to home plate and St. Louis Brown catcher Paul Critchell in 1912 is waiting there already holding on to the ball. 
What you may not know is that Cobb is not aiming for the catcher, like everyone likes to think, but rather his mitt with the ball in it. And sure. you would, you might not have known, because I didn't know this, he ended up knocking it out of the catcher's mitt and was ruled safe on that no play. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Critchell was quoted after, I, I don't think this was after the game, I think this was after the fact. Uh, Critchell was quoted as saying, quote, the ball hit the grandstand on the fly. I was mad and stunned. Cobb was mad and shaken. In a way, it was really my fault. I was standing there directly in front of the plate instead of on the side where I could tag Ty as he slid in. But out of that mix-up, I learned one thing. Never stand directly in front of the plate when Cobb was roaring for home. End quote. <laughs> that is some good advice. Take it to home. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a Buster Posey rule. He was he just self-imposed it on himself at That's this it. point. But again, I love the point. I, I love the what he says here. In a way, it was really my fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned before how many of the false truths about Cobb were perpetrated by one man, Al Stump. Boo. Yep. Stump was the one who wrote Cobb's um, quote-unquote autobiography. So Ty Cobb died on July 17th, 1961 at the age of 74. And this autobiography was rushed out just two months later. The book sold well, but three months after the book came out, a magazine uh, called True published a story by Al Stump in three installments that was called Ty Cobb's Wild 10-Month Fight to Live. Oh, wow. Real catchy title, which offered a lurid, supposedly true portrait of uh, the Georgia Peach's final days. Stump later said this, quote, the first book was a cover up. I felt really bad about it. I felt like I wasn't being a good newspaperman, end quote, which (laughs) we know is utter BS. <laughs> because on his deathbed in 1995, Stump was asked why he wrote the articles for the comically named Truth magazine. And he answered, quote, I guess because I had all this leftover material and I thought, what am I going to do with this? I think I did it for the money. End quote. Oh, there's a shock. You think. Uh, but what I want to talk about uh, is something that actually Cobb brought upon himself, a story that he told many times with many different outcomes. So Cobb is in his car with his wife, Charlie, and uh, he's driving to a train station in Detroit to catch a train for Tiger's exhibition game. Uh, It's going to take place in Syracuse and three men wave, wave him down on the way to the, to the train station. So Cobb pulls over to see if they need help and he's immediately attacked by these three guys because no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Right. Uh, If there was something Cobb undoubtedly had, it was a short fuse and quick fists. This we do know for sure. Cobb claimed that, quote, one of the mugs I knocked down got up and slashed at me with a knife. I dodged, but he cut me in the back. I couldn't tell how bad it was, but my arms were still working, end quote, (laughs) implying that he was still ready to throw down. Cobb allegedly chased down one of the assailants as they tried to run away, and he, quote, left him in worse condition than he'd arrived in, end quote. (laughs) I bet he did. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, whether Ty Cobb was this mean person or not, which I don't think he was entirely, 
I can see him being a real tough SOB if you got in a scrap with him. Uh, yes. Another one of these assailants returned and cornered Cobb in a blind passageway. I don't know how this happened, if they're on the road, but we're going to go with it here. Uh, this is, uh, Ty went on, quote, I had something in my hand which I won't describe, but which had often come in handy in Detroit in those days when it was a fairly rough town. I used it on him at some length. If he still lives, he has the scars to show for it. <laughs> Leaving him unconscious, I then drove to the depot. Wow. So the thing that he won't describe is a gun. And he doesn't mean that he shot him. He means that he beat him with it. And I'll give you a, a bit of a description here. Stump quoted Cobb as saying, he killed one of his attackers beating the man with the butt of his pistol, then using the gun's sight as a blade to, quote, slash away until the man's face was faceless, end quote. Jeez. Cobb then went on and said, quote, left him there, not breathing in his own rotten blood, end quote. Right, we're going we're gonna to get a not safe for work uh, tag on this episode no, here. <laughs> uh, Stump added that a few days after the attack in Detroit, quote, a press report told of an unidentified body found off Turnbull Avenue in an alley, end quote. An Associated Press dispatch the following day described an attempted robbery of Cobb by three assailants who were, quote, under the influence of liquor, end quote. A lot of quotes and end quotes here. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't want to just do old-timey radio voice throughout this whole thing. Uh, mm. One of his would-be robbers pulled a knife and slashed Cobb in the back, as he said, after of which all three men made their getaway, which is, again, in contradiction to the first part of the story where he beat one senseless and uh, slashed the other one to lay in his own rotten blood. But, again, this is... A story from Al Stump. So, uh, the Syracuse Herald reported that on the day after the attack, Cobb got two hits in the exhibition game against the Syracuse Stars, but he did not exert himself because of quote a severe knife wound in his back. <laughs> uh, other reports had blood seeping through Cobb's uniform, which I think might have been kind of the inspiration for the the movie adaptation of The Natural when Roy yeah. Hobbs is bleeding, because uh, of course the movie. The Natural is a complete 180 from the book. If you've yes. not read the book, don't. Just no, enjoy the movie. The movie, is, with you. the movie is just great. The book is yeah. the most depressing thing you will ever Enjoy pick the up. movie yes. and, and just leave it at that. <laughs> so down the road, Cobb later described the incident to reporters. And uh, his story changed a little bit. He said he'd suffered only a scratch near his shoulder. And photographs of Cobb taken during the game in Syracuse show no signs of blood uh, you know, no, there's, he's not, you know, his uniform's not red. <laughs> or anything. A uh, peer-reviewed journal published by Sabre, go Sabre, We're big, big fans of Sabre members, uh, after examining autopsy reports at the Wayne County Medical Examiner's Office, and after combing through all of the Detroit newspapers from the time, they concluded that Stump's claim that an unidentified body had been reported in the press Get this, we're not true. No. Shocking, I know, gasp. The author also found no record of any deaths due to blunt force trauma in Detroit for the whole month of August 1912. Hmm. Yeah. yeah the story's starting to fall apart, but who to blame? Cobb or Stump? I don't know. Uh, yeah. 
We did a story about Cobb beating a fan in New York and being suspended. His teammates had his back. Again, another myth that his teammates, that everyone hated him. His teammates actually, you know, stuck up for him many times. They had his back and they wouldn't play because of the suspension, this leading to one of the odder games in baseball history with some guys literally being picked up from the street corner to play Major League Baseball. Uh, Again, go back. I'm not sure what episode it is. We've covered all this. The fact was that this was just three months before the event that did or did not happen, according to to Stump, where he uh, was attacked by these three guys. (laughs) So kind of strange. But so should this story actually be true, which, again, I'm guessing I'm guessing there's maybe a fint, a fint, a a fine little speck of truth in this. What, what is it? Uh, don't let the details get in the way of good story. Right. Uh, I'm guessing it's not entirely true. But if it is, Ty Cobb would not be the only killer in his family. No. Bum, bum, I, bum. I know this too. Yeah. So Cobb broke into the big leagues in August 1905, just three weeks after his mother, Amanda, had been arrested on charges of voluntary manslaughter. So Amanda Cobb said that she thought her husband, William, was an intruder trying to enter their home through the bedroom window when she shot him twice. So there had been rumors about town that Amanda was a Jezebel. And uh, had been uh, cheating on William. He thought that this was true. So what happened is he told her that he was going out of town for a couple of days. And then he snuck back home late at night trying to catch her in the act of being said Jezebel. But uh, she wasn't. She uh, apparently was just a home alone by herself. And somebody is trying to climb through the window in the middle of the night. So she shot them. During her trial the following year, prosecutors carefully questioned her about uh, some inconsistencies over the time that had lapsed between the two shots, meaning maybe she shot, then saw who it was, they talked (laughs) things out, and then she shot him again. I don't know. (laughs) But ultimately, she was acquitted. Uh, We've also talked in the past about uh, Stump continuing to be a POS even after Cobb's death. 20 years after Cobb died, a large amount of Cobb memorabilia suddenly hit the market. From personal items uh, such as hats, pipes, dentures, uh, to objects of historical importance such as his diary. The man behind the sale of these items was none other than uh, Al Stump, of course, uh, who was believed to have cleaned out Cobb's mansion after his death and also just would go to garage sales, buy things, and scribble Ty's name on it, and then sell them as Ty Cobb artifacts. Oh my gosh, what a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. One of these items on offer was a double-barreled shotgun that Amanda Cobb had supposedly used to kill her husband. In uh, Stump's True Magazine piece that we talked about earlier, the author quoted Cobb as saying that his father's head was, quote, blown off with a shotgun, end quote. The shotgun which Cobb had supposedly later had engraved and then used throughout his life while hunting, was definitely one of the big ticket items that got a lot of, uh, a lot of interest when it was listed at Sotheby's in an auction. Just one problem, though. Official newspaper and court documents of the time clearly show that uh, Amanda Cobb had used a pistol to kill her husband, not a shotgun. Oops. Yeah. Again, facts getting in the way. 
<laughs> These ridiculous stories that Al Stump told, and almost single-handedly by doing so, ruined one of the greatest baseball players of all time, just for the sake of some quick cash. It, it continues to be embarrassing. Cobb, as he was dying, was not as sharp as he once was. Uh, he used to be a voracious reader, in fact, and people would bring him books, and he would thank them, and he would take them and read them. I mean, again, he enjoyed people. I'm not even going to go into all of the things that, uh, you know, are false, that are easily proven to be false. But this is a story, I think we touched on it back when we talked about Cobb before. Carrying a loaded gun and more than a million dollars in stock certificates and bonds in a paper bag. He'd done very well after retirement. He invested in Coca-Cola and General Motors. Uh, Cobb checked into a hospital for help because he was not doing well. He knew he was dying, uh, only to have... Stump smuggle in liquor for him while he was in the hospital and sneak him out on late night visits to bars and casinos. Stump claimed that Cobb demanded this. He demanded the liquor and the trips away from the hospital and that he complied with Cobb's wishes because he feared for his own life. Which if Cobb yeah. knew what he was doing, I don't know, maybe, maybe From that's, a dying man? I, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's a pretty good shot that more than likely he was just plying Cobb with uh, with alcohol and, and taking him on these excursions so that he would ramble on about stories. True or not, it didn't matter. He just wanted more stuff to write about and be paid for. Hmm. Uh, in fact, though, most of, if not all of Stump's resources were anonymous. All of his quotes unidentified. And Stump himself had actually been banned from several newspapers and magazines for just blatantly making things up. <laughs> Modern-day fact-checking has proven most of the stories and details from Stump's accounts were indeed incorrect, painting a picture of a miserable man who was universally hated. Unfortunately, Hollywood chose to adapt Stump's portrayal of Cobb into the 94 movie Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones, which, again, shaped the image of Ty Cobb to those not willing to do any research or listen to baseball history podcasts. Even Field of Dreams, one of the worst baseball movies of all time. <laughs> I know you love it, man. Took a shot at him by making a joke. Cobb wasn't allowed to play in the, the ghost games because everyone hated him. Right. Ken Burns even echoed these false settlements in his baseball documentary, which is obviously to some people all they know about baseball and believe that to be scripture because, you know, it's it's Ken Burns baseball. It's the the last word on the history of baseball, which it most certainly is not. I'm fascinated by Ty Cobb hearing these things he did during and after his career. They're just so counter to everything I had heard and read growing up about him. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously, I'd heard a lot of things about him because Cobb's stolen bases and being a Ricky Stan. You know, he was mentioned a lot in conjunction with Ricky. I really wish there was a good long form series on Cobb, you know, writing the wrongs and telling the true stories of the George Peach, because I think he was, you know, he definitely had his faults, but uh, definitely one of the most interesting people, not just interesting, one of the best baseball players of all time. Absolutely. This is good, man. I, I actually just started reading the uh, Charles Learson book, Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty. We might have to talk about him a little more in the near future. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's definitely revisit him. And uh, because, yeah, I just I am. So just some of these 
stories I read of these real newspaper people doing real fact checking and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just so interesting. Some of the things that they have dug up that are easily dug up. Al Stump was uh, Al Stump. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's going to do it for our main segment of the show. Mark, we did not do Wax Packs Heroes last week because we got off on a whole quiz thing. And <laughs> we did. <laughs> it took a while because uh, we're easily distracted. And we had fun. I hope our listeners did too. But I know a lot of uh, our listeners enjoy Wax Packs Heroes. So, Mark, we're going to have to we're going to have to bring it back. I mean, of course we do because we're in the middle of the season. But uh, let's uh, strike up the band. It's time for Wax Pack Heroes. Let's do it. Wax Pack Hero. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero. Let's see. Currently, the scoreboard is twelve to ten. I am uh, I'm in the lead, but of course, I'm never never uh, safe here, having never having won one of these things. But uh, today, we've got some. We're going to finish these up. These are the uh, two thousand tops packs. There's only eight cards in each of these, so this should be pretty quick. Uh, this is what we are going to do. If you are uh, unfamiliar with the rules of Wax Packs Heroes, we're going to open these uh, packs of baseball cards and score using baseball reference war for the year of the cards, in this case 2000, and we're going to add those up, and whoever has the most at the end of their pack will win the game. There are a couple of extra things that you can do to add or subtract points though anything on the player's face on the card that means glasses mustache nose piercing eye black anything like that 10 tenths uh, one tenth of a point each if they've got a really good mustache we're talking wade boggs keith hernandez type thing you can be awarded a bonus extra tenth of a point as well if you're wearing real stirrups where we can see the actual sanitaries, that's an extra tenth of a point, but two and ones are a minus tenth of a point. Rewards, a whole half a point for each of these if uh, they were earned during that year. Rookie of the Year, Cy Young MVP if they were an All-Star or a Gold Glove winner. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are in focus or not, that is a whole extra point of war. If Ricky Henderson shows up in either of these packs, I am going to get five points regardless of whose pack. And since Nolan Ryan is not going to show up in either of these packs, that doesn't apply to Mark. So I'm hoping to use that to my advantage. Any pop culture references are going to get a half a point of uh, war. But if they appeared on an episode of The Simpsons, Seinfeld, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I just realized those all start with S's, you get a whole extra point of war, uh, unless you're Steve Sachs, because then you are in two of the three, and you're the only one, and that's pretty cool. And uh, Mitchell Report, or any suspension for PEDs, that is a minus half a point. And Mark, we also each pick a team. If my team comes up in either pack, I get uh, half a point. Your team comes up in either pack, you get half a point. Who are you going to pick this week? We're going to go with Cleveland. Cleveland. The Spiders. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays. Oh, there you go. All right, Mark, I've got two packs here, one in my left hand and one in my right hand. Which one would you like? Right hand. Right hand. All right. I'm going to have you go first, and uh, let's see what we can get here. All right, Mark, leading off, uh, you've got one of our two favorite players from uh, Kingston, Jamaica, and it's not Devon White. Here he is with the Yankees, bowl of chili, Davis. Nice. We've had chili several times before. 
uh, let's see, 19 years in the big leagues, uh, seven with the Angels, seven with the Giants, and then a bunch of other teams. Uh, bad news for you is that he retired after the 1999 season. So uh, you don't get any points there, but Chili has got a mustache because Chili always had a mustache. This is actually a good card. He has just broken a bat and put a ball in play, and he is uh, starting to run out of the batter's box with what looks like a knife in his right hand uh, that is the bat. Or at least all that's left of the bat. So, <laughs> remember, Chili was uh, got his name because his dad gave him a bad haircut. Yep, the uh, the old Chili Bowl cut. What's the difference between a, a Chili Bowl and like a just a, a mixing bowl? Size? I've got I've got a like a really big bowl of chili. I mean, I've got you know, like Kevin in the office bowl of chili because I don't think if you put that over a young Chili Davis's head, it's going to cover his whole head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know size wise uh, where where uh, chili bowls rank. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've got like ten bowls stacked in in each other downstairs. So yeah. yes, none of them I would consider chili bowls. No, that's a good point. All right, so uh, you at least started off with the tenth of a point. Next, you oh, well, you should have taken the Yankees because yeah, you've got another one here. Uh, well, this might help you though. It's Roger Clemens. Oh. Well, I'm going to lose points for the Mitchell report. We already know you're going <laughs> to no Hall of Fame bonus. But you know what does happen is uh, the Simpsons will cancel that out. Oh, true. Actually, the Simpsons yes. will add to it because you get a whole point for being on the Simpsons. So instead of minus half a point just right off the bat, you're going to you're going to get a plus half a point for that. <laughs> uh, let's see. The year 2000. Age 37 for the Yankees. He went 13 and 8, 3.7 ERA, 204 innings pitched, 188 strikeouts, a 131 ERA plus. Came in sixth in the Cy Young Award voting, and all of that will equal a war of 4.6. Wow. That might win it just right off the bat. Um, let's see. There is, uh, he's got a five o'clock shadow, but it's, well, he's got a five o'clock goatee. Let me put it, I'll give it to you. Uh, but uh, nothing else. Uh, I can't see any stirrups. I'll give you the tenth of a point. Uh, he's been in plenty of pop culture stuff, but you know we already got it narrowed down with the Simpsons and uh, then the uh, the Mitchell report. So that will take you to five point three. Your Sweet. next card. Oh boy, good card. And uh, here he is with Cleveland. Uh, you know, one of those guys that you don't often think of when you think of Cleveland, but it's Doc Gooden. That's a good point. You don't think about that, but he did spend his time with Cleveland. All right. So Doc uh, obviously came up with the Mets. He ended up playing 16 years in the big leagues, 11 with the Mets, uh, three in the Bronx with the Yankees, two with Cleveland, and then one for Tampa and one for Houston. In 2000, he split time between, uh, wow, three teams, Houston, Tampa Bay, and New York, uh, New York Yankees. I'm sorry. Overall went 6-5 and five with a 4.7 ERA. This was the final year of his career, by the way. 105 innings, pitched 55 strikeouts, and a 104 ERA plus. And all of that will equal a positive .7. Okay, okay. All right, so that will take you up to 6 even. Uh, let's see, Dwight Gooden, pop culture-wise... He, you think he would have been ripe for uh, ripe for that Simpsons episode? Now I think he was originally uh, going to play the Roger McDowell role in Seinfeld. Oh, really? But uh, I think because of his problems off the field, they opted to go with Roger McDowell. 
Gotcha. I am fairly certain that I have read that in uh, in the uh, in in all the Seinfeld stuff that we have talked about in the past. Now, uh, let's see. He was suspended for other things. Yes, uh, and has definitely had a lot of problems with the law. Uh, but I don't think we need to we need to go through that. It was uh, name dropped by Action Bronson in a song in 2015 called "Baby Blue." Hmm which I am not familiar with. But, Me neither. Uh, moving on to your next card. Uh, short stop for the... Oh, wait, no, and you get uh, half a point. I'm sorry, I forgot the half a point because he was on your team, Cleveland. That's right, yes. Uh, that'll take you to 6.5. Next, you've got for the Cincinnati Reds, it is uh, infielder Mark Lewis. I don't know who that is. Okay, so Mark Lewis played for 11 years in the big leagues. Five with Cleveland, three with Cincinnati, and then a bunch of other teams for single years. In the year 2000, uh, he split time between Cincinnati and Baltimore. Overall, hit 253, 305 on base, two home runs, 24 RBI, 77 OPS plus, and that is a minus 0.5 war. Ouch. Yeah, that one. Well, I mean, you had a big last couple of ones, so it's okay. Uh, first round draft pick, second overall in the 1988 draft. Hmm. Yeah, not much. Uh, I mean, had a good career, but nothing uh, nothing else to highlight here. Uh, so you are at six even. Nothing else in that card is going to help you out. Here you have got... Now, last time I asked when we pulled one of these, uh, this guy's card, I said, uh, do I get extra points because he's now managing my favorite team? And you specifically said no. So right. you get no extra bonus points for Florida Marlins' uh, Mark Katze. Words coming back to, to haunt you now. <laughs> but they're not my favorite team <laughs> uh, let's see 17 years in the big leagues 5 with the Padres 4 with the Fish and the A's and then a bunch of other teams for shorter stints in the year 2000 played in 152 games hit 298 347 on base 12 home runs 57 RBI 19 stolen bases and a 104 OPS plus and that is good for a 4.6 war. Wow. Wow. You are racking up some points here. Wow. Did not see that coming. Uh, let's see. He has got eye black on here. That's the only thing that's going to help you in this uh, on this card. But that's uh, it's a good it's a good chunk of change there. Uh, let's see. First round draft pick ninth overall by Florida in 1996. Oh, he's traded uh, by the Padres to the A's for Ramon Hernandez and Terrence Long. So that's how he got to Oakland. Inducted in the uh, NCAA Baseball Hall of Fame in 2019. So good for him. All right. Uh, You have got a prospects card here. So there are three uh, players on here, of which I know all of their names, but it's pretty obvious which one uh, you probably are going to choose here. You have got Milwaukee Brewers' Kevin Barker. Kansas City Royals, Kit Pello, and uh, Cleveland, well, Cleveland will also get you a bonus, uh, Russ Branyan. We're going to go with Branyan. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> Let's see, Russell the Muscle. Overall, 14 years in the big league, six with Cleveland, three with Milwaukee, and then a bunch of other teams, including two years with the Mariners. He played for a lot of teams. Let's see, in the year 2000, his third 
stint in the big leagues. Uh, the prior two seasons, he only had 12 games under his belt. In 2000, he played in 67. He hit 238, 327 on base, 16 home runs, 38 RBI, and a OPS plus of 115, and that is good for a war of 0. .6. I'll take that. Yeah, I don't think you were going to really win with any of those because it's a prospects card, so they haven't been in the big leagues much. Uh, nothing on this card. It's just a head and shoulder shot there uh, is going to help you. You've got two cards left. Uh, you're going to like this one because this is one of your uh, one of your guys. Here he is with the Diamondbacks. It's Luis Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. I love him. All right. Gonzo. 19 years in the big leagues, eight with Arizona, seven with Houston, two with the Cubs, and then one apiece for the Dodgers, Fish, and Tigers. In the year 2000, he played in all 162 games. He hit 311, 392 on base, 31 home runs, 114 RBI, and a 130 OPS plus. Those numbers, he didn't get a single MVP vote. Wow. That's kind of weird. Not Uh, bad. Yeah, and then uh, let's see, overall, a 4.2 war. Wow. All right, uh, if you know anything about Luis Gonzalez, you know he's got a goatee. He also has uh, eye black on here, so that'll be an extra two-tenths of a point for you. It's a good picture. It's a, it's a horizontal picture, and he's sliding into third base, and Jeff Cirillo with the, uh, with the Brewers is there. Looks like he's catching the ball and getting ready to slap the tag on him. Good Sir Thrillo? Sir Thrillo, I like that. Jeff Surthrillo. It's like kind of like Ryan Fitz fabulous or whatever. We had, to, we had a, a for when he played for the Mariners, we had a board that said Sir Thrillo. I bet I can guarantee you. I know who came up with that. Nickname. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was problem is we didn't get to use it very often. Just oh, saying. ouch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have uh, talked about Gonzo quite a bit, so uh, I think we can move on from there. I think he's one of those borderline, right, Hall of Fame guys. Like, yes, he he's the Hall of of you know very good for nineteen years, but yeah, probably not Hall of Fame numbers. Uh, and then your final card is another Florida Marlins. Looks like this is a rookie. He's got the Topps Rookie Cup on it, which is always cool. It is Preston Wilson. So we've talked about Preston's relationship with Mookie Wilson several times before, um, so we don't need to go into that. Too much. Uh, Overall, though, 10 years in the big leagues, five with the Fish, three with Colorado, and then a couple other teams for shorter stints. In 2000, at the age of 25, uh, let's see, led the league in strikeouts with 187, 264 batting average, 331 on base, 31 home runs, 121 RBI, 36 stolen bases, and a 109 OPS plus, and that is good for a war of 2.0. And there is nothing on this card that's going to help you out, unfortunately. So that will take you up to 17.7, which is, I think, a pretty good score for eight cards. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with how things have gone. All right. So uh, that's not bad, but let's, uh, let's hope I can do a little better. Let's hope not. We'll let the fans decide. I want to, I want to, because listen, okay. do people like me? No, but do they want to root for me because you've won every single one of these? Maybe. I don't know. Depends on what the odds were in Vegas. All right. So, uh, here we go. We're going to start off here in my pack with a catcher for the Tigers. It is Brad Osmus. Let's see. Three-time gold glover, 
Brad Osmus, 18 years in the big leagues, most of it as a catcher. Played a little bit of infield around the uh, around the way as needed. Uh, in the year, two, oh, I'm sorry, uh, 18 years, 10 with Houston, 4 with the Padres, 3 with Detroit, and then 2 with the Dodgers. In 2000, with the Tigers, he caught or at least appeared in 150 games. That is a lot. Uh, 266 average, 357 on base, Seven home runs, 51 RBI, 11 stolen bases, 102 stolen bases for his career. Not bad. And an 89 OPS plus. And that is good for, wow, a war of 3.4 right out the gate. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, nothing on the card is going to help me, unfortunately. Osmus, very well known for being an amazing defensive catcher, by the way. Uh, also went on to manage. I thought he was manager of the year one year, but it looks like I am completely wrong. I uh, managed the Tigers for four years and then the Angels. Uh, didn't he take over when uh, when Sosha retired? I think he was the. Did he? I think I think that he was the first one after Sosha retired for the Angels, but it could be uh, could be uh, in crowd. Oh, apparently, he was the bench coach for the A's last year. Things hmm. things I did not know. Is uh, that that is one of them? Also, a coach for the 2023 World Baseball Classic Team Israel. Yep. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, no pop culture there to speak of. So uh, I'll start. I'll take my 3.4 and like it. Next, uh, I've got well another. Uh, this is how you started off too with two players from the same team. Uh, I've got another tiger here. It is it is Juan Encarnacion. Now is he the guy that got hurt? On the on deck circle, or is he the one that did something that we we'll, we won't talk about? No, he's the guy that got hit by okay <laughs> by the uh, foul ball. All right, good. Then we'll we'll, we'll continue here. Fractured uh, we'll, his eye socket. You know what? And guys are getting closer and closer. I mean, that those those shots from center field now never used to see the on deck hitter, but now in like eighty percent of the shots, I see them there. They're getting closer, inching in. Uh, let's see, 11 years in the big leagues, five for the Tigers, four for the Fish, two for St. Louis, and then one for the Dodgers and Reds. In 2000 for Detroit, he hit 289, 330 on base, 14 home runs, 72 RBI, 16 stolen bases, a 97 OPS plus. This sounds like exactly like the numbers that I just read for Osmus. Yeah. Uh, and overall, a war of 1.9, which I will take that. Uh, let's see, he's got that goatee as well. So I'll get a I'll get an extra tenth of a point there. Nothing else on that card is really going to help me out. Uh, won two World Series, one with the Marlins in 2003, and then one with the Cardinals in 2006. Oh, at one point he was traded for uh, Demet Hook, Demetri Young. Hmm. All right. So uh, next, oh, cool. It's an expo. Oh, no, I chose the Blue Jays. Do yes. I just get all of Canada, though, right? No, I'm afraid not. <sighs> Darn it. Uh, here he is. Uh, boy, he played for a long time and a lot of teams. It's OCAB, Orlando Cabrera. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was all over the place. 15 years in the big leagues, eight with Montreal, three with the Angels, and then one apiece for uh, seven or eight teams there. No Mariners, <laughs> though, but there was an Oakland sighting there. Year 2000 with Montreal, uh, 237 average, 279 on base, 13 home runs, 55 RBI, and a 66 OPS plus. Uh, and that is good. For, holy mother. Uh, so in 2001, he ended up with a 3.6 war. 
In uh, 2000, though, he ended up with a minus 0.9. Ooh. That stings. Uh, Overall, a 21.3 war for his career, but none of that matters uh, because we're only looking at one year. A similarity score is uh, Unieski Betancourt. (laughs) You say his (laughs) name once and you summon him. Uh, and, and he comes up part of a four way trade between the Expos, Red Sox and uh, let's see, Cubs and Twins. This is the trade where the Red Sox sent Nomar Garcia Para and uh, Japanese uh, league legend Matt Merton to the Cubs. Oh, OK. Uh, some other names included in that Doug Minkiewicz, which uh, is very easy to use in a sentence. Uh, and those I are once. I know you did. Uh, that's the only. Uh, those are the only names of note during in that trade, though. <laughs> Specifically, I think Nomar was the uh, the headliner there. Yeah, sounds like it. All right, so I am at four point five. Uh, next, we have got boy. I try to remember this guy's name in uh, in uh, Immaculate Inning or Immaculate Grid. I don't want to get nicked there all the time. And I can never remember Russ Ortiz here with the Giants. Sure. He was an Astro for a little bit. Uh, Yeah, he was. Uh, Let's see. Came up with the Giants 12 years in the big league, six with the Giants, two with the D-backs, two with Atlanta, and then LA, LA, Houston, and Baltimore for one apiece. In the year 2000 with the Giants, he went 14 and 12 with a 5.01 ERA. 195 innings pitched, 167 Ks, 85 ERA plus, and that is a war of positive 0.2. Uh, that's the only thing I'm going to get off of this card, too. But I guess it's better than a minus 0.9. Yeah, minus 0.9 is tough to be worse than. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got some. Remember last uh, show we talked about some Hall of Famers that had seasons yep. that were worse than that. Rough seasons. Yes. Oh, he was a high school teammate of Brad Fulmer. Huh. Fulmer played for the for the Expos. I remember that. And then I think he went to the Phillies. He, he stayed in the he stayed in the American League East. I remember. Oh, I think we've talked about him before. Creator owner of Second Guy Golf Clothing Company. Where, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like a charity. Yeah, a hundred percent of proceeds went to charity, which ran for seven years. So good for him. Yeah. All right, let's see. I have got four cards left here, and I am at 4.7. You had a 17.7, so I'm 13 back. Yikes. Uh, This is a highlight card. Uh, This is somebody that we've talked about many times. I can tell you right now he's got a mustache and he's got eye black, and uh, he's also got a son that uh, has got gout or ringworm or something, uh, he claimed. Here is for Fernando Tatis Sr. (laughs) Let's see, uh, the elder Tatis, 11 years in the big leagues, three with the Mets, three with Montreal, three with St. Louis, and then two with the Rangers, one with Baltimore. In 2000, for the Cardinals, he hit 253, 379 on base, 18 home runs, 64 RBI, a 117 OPS plus, and that is good for a war of 1.6, plus the eye black and the mustache will be a 1.8. So I will take that. You know, maybe another thing is uh, it, for future seasons, if they're related to other big leaguers. Hmm, that could be one. I think I think, I think we should write that one down and, and revisit that when we have our when we have our winter meetings. We'll uh, we'll go over that. 
There you go. And of course, he's, we know about Tatis Jr., but he also has a son, Elijah, who is in the White Sox farm system. Is he, is he touted at all? I don't know. How do you become touted? Like, is there a certain level? I have a friend who was touted. It was, it was not easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> he had, he had uh, come down with tout. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I mean, I see plenty of commercials, drug commercials during baseball games that are supposed to help with the tout. So, yes, yeah. I see a lot of those pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, nothing else there is going to help me out. I am at 6.5. Uh, my next card is, oh, oh, I got a Hall of Famer. Uh-oh. Oh, shoot. I was hoping that he's uh, he's sliding into second base and it's against the Tigers. And I was hoping that that was Alan Trammell uh, <laughs> getting the, the ball, but it is not. But here it is. Uh, Roberto Alomar. Of course, Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star, won two World Series with the Jays, 10 gold gloves, four silver sluggers, and uh, um, let's see, overall 17 years, five with Toronto, three with the Padres, three with Cleveland, three with Baltimore, two with the Mets, two with the White Sox, and one with the Diamondbacks. Now, I remembered the Diamondbacks. I used that in Immaculate Grid the other day and got a very low score for that one. So Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I think it was because of this show when we look him up and I go, Arizona. Uh, let's see. In the year 2000, good news for me, he was an all-star and won a gold glove. So there is uh, an extra point just right off the right off the bat there. Uh, let's see. Hit 310, 378 on base, 19 home runs, 89 RBI, 39 stolen bases, and a 114 OPS+. Plus. And that will be good for a war of 5.6. Plus, he's a Hall of Famer, so that is 7.6. Whoa. Wow. On this card, there is nothing else that's going to help me there. But, uh, you know, I'll take that. That bumps me up to 15.1. Was he on the Mitchell Report, though? That is going to be the question. I remember him on the Mitchell Report. I mean, he was suspended, obviously, for spitting at an umpire, but right. uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Do we do we do we nick him for that? Um, I, probably not. Unless, you know, it has to be we, we, we go by generalization. Yeah, I mean, so maybe we do we do Mitchell report, but then we also do domestic violence um, or PEDs just in general. We will nick people. Sure, sure. I think, uh, I mean, he is being sued by, well, he was sued by at least four people for allegedly exposing them to a disease. That's not good. All right. So we're not going to talk about Roberto Alomar's private life. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> we just had an interesting conversation, but we are not going to, we're not going to talk about it out loud. All right. I got two cards left here. Mark, I have creeped up. I am in, I'm, I'm ready to pounce here. I'm at 15.1. And uh, now do I get extra points if I went to the same college as this person? Only if it's John O'Lord. Uh, we'll just go 15. We just we'll just double. Is that what we do? Uh, unfortunately, here he's with the Mets and not the Blue Jays, which oh, was my bummer team. for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, John Olerud, one of those uh, weird things where uh, John Olerud never won the John Olerud Award. Yeah, you believe that? Yeah, that's travesty. Overall, seventeen years in the big leagues: eight with Toronto, five with Seattle. I didn't realize he played for the Mariners that long. Oh uh, yeah. Three with the Mets, and then one with the Yankees, and one with Boston. 
There's a good immaculate grid one right there when it, when what's a New York uh, when a Yankee in a Red Sox because how many people are going to remember he played for both those teams? I didn't. Right. I remember Yankees, but I don't remember the Red Sox. Uh, let's see the year 2000. Good news for me. Gold glove. Ding ding. Uh, this was his first year in Seattle. Hit 285, 392 on base. Wow. 14 home runs, 103 RBI, and a 117 OPS plus. And that will jump, uh, let's see, that's a 3.7 plus the gold glove is a 3.8, which will put me in the lead. Uh-oh. Uh, let's see, he's got eye black on here. And, oh, he's got two and ones. Like, not many people were showing their stirrups at this point. Uh, but he was, but they're two and ones, so that'll wipe out the eye black uh, money, essentially there. Uh, Ole won two World Series, both with Toronto. Of course, graduated from the Washington State University. And was named Pac-12 Player of the Century. Well, now, was he, or was he named the Pac-10? Because uh, he never played in the Pac-12. <laughs> that's that's true. But he did play under Bobo Braden. Yes, yes, he did. He's cousin of Dale Swain. Yeah, we mention that every time, and we go, what the hell? <laughs> I'm exciting. cutting all this out. <laughs> all right, so Ole takes me up to 18.9. You are at 17.7. I've got one card left, and I can big guarantee negative, you negative. I am not going to get. Who was who it that gave me the point nine? Who was that clown? Was it, uh, was it Encarnacion? I think it was either... Or OCAB. I don't know, one of the two. But regardless, and if we did this in a couple of years, I would get a Hall of Fame bonus. Because uh, here with the Dodgers, Adrian Beltre. Oh, geez. Yeah, you're going to have a decent war. As long as it's not negative, I'm I'm going to actually win. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident at this point. Uh, let's see. Uh, 21 years in the big leagues, eight with Texas, seven with the Dodgers, five with the Mariners, and then one for the Red Sox. It would have been one for the A's. He was, I remember he was uh, threatening to sign with the A's. Uh, and I think it was uh, between the 2004, 2005, because then he went to the, to the Mariners. Uh, I think he he essentially almost signed with the A's just to call uh, other teams bluffs who were offering him contracts. And we um, got, you know, yeah. we got used again. Uh, let's see. Overall, in uh, the year 2000, he hit 290 with a 360 on base. This is his third year in the big leagues. 20 home runs, 85 RBI, 12 stolen bases, and a 114 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of 3.4, which is not negative. So I think I'm going to win. Yeah. Uh, I don't see anything else on this card that's going to help me out. Uh, let's see if he got in any kind of trouble or not. I'm going to hope not. but let's... I don't think so, but he and I have something very much in common. Neither of us like people to touch the top of our heads. Mm, that's right. Not a yeah. fan. Yeah, there are there are just some great videos, especially of Elvis Andrus, who they were really yes. good buddies, just having a heck of a time on the left side of that Rangers infield. Whether it meant coming up and touching his head or if there's a pop-up and one of them takes it the other one would get behind them and mimic them <laughs> yes i mean stuff they had so and then of course adrian and felix were oh, were are still just are really good friends so they would have a good time uh, whenever they would bat against he was other. there for um when we retired felix's number it makes Put sense in the hall of fame. yeah definitely makes sense yep 
Uh, all right, so that is going to put me at 22.3, which, you know, that's more than uh, than 17.7. <laughs> that's all I got to yes, say. Yes, it is. You are uh, correct, sir. All right, so that is going to move me up to 13 to your 10. Now, I am still not convinced I am going to win this at all. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, shoulder rubs and, uh, and uh, orange slices all around. Well right. done. All right. That's going to do it for uh, this uh, version of Wax Packs Heroes. Also going to do it for this version of the show. I'd like to thank everybody once again for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. I know uh, we got some answers last week uh, to the quiz, as well as some uh, stories for uh, people catching fly balls and and home run balls. So we'll get to those eventually. Feel free to tell us if you've got stories about those. Uh, we also have uh, our uh, one of our uh, favorite listeners, Marshall, leaving us joke emails on our phone number. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Marshall. Uh, hey, if you want to leave us, if you want to leave us a baseball related joke, go ahead and do it. Uh, you can find the phone number in the show notes, just uh, along with uh, all of our social media stuff. Uh, if you are too lazy to read those, which I understand nobody reads the show notes, you want to find us, just search for two strike noise. That is TWO strike noise. Just put it in the Google machine. It will point you to many directions, including I'm guessing it'll give you an email address that Mark has. You got it. TWO strike noise, just like you said, at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Again, we are not going to be here for sure next week because I'm not going to edit remotely again uh, because that just is not good. So uh, I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff for work and just will not have time to do this next week. But you know what? This is show number 230. Wow. If you've listened to all 230 of these, I'm guessing there are some favorites you could go back and listen to. Uh, There might be some that you don't remember or uh, thought were just absolutely awful. And I think you should give them a second try. Second chance. Yeah, second chance. But anyway, thank you again for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 